May I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. My absolute favorite comedian, Eddie Izzard, has a classic bit about the Church of England, which is our mother church. He says that one can't really have extreme views in the Church of England. One never says, for example, you must have tea and cake with the vicar or you die. (laughs) He then goes on to imagine quite hilariously an Anglican church trying to carry out its own Spanish Inquisition where the church poses one of the most dire questions one can answer. Cake or death? (laughs) Can you guess which one these potential converts chose? The church leaders find themselves quite exasperated when they've run out of cake. We've only had three bits and we didn't expect such a rush, they say to their latest customer. So what do you want? I'll have the chicken. Oh, would you like a white wine? There you go, thank you very much. Oh, Anglicans, God bless us. You know, today's reading from Deuteronomy presents us with a choice that seems similarly stark and quite easy to answer. Moses, towards the end of his life and at the end of this grand summary of the law in the book of Deuteronomy, sets before his people life and prosperity, death and adversity. Choose life, he pleads, so that you and your descendants may live. I'll have the life and prosperity, Moses. Thank you very much. Now, of course, this is an overly simplistic reading of what is a really deep and complicated text, but it does illustrate an important point that Jesus is trying to make with his followers and with us. There are no simple questions on the Christian path, and there are no easy answers. Choosing to follow Jesus, to make him your Lord and Savior, is not as simple as salvation or damnation. It's not a choice between cake and death. In our gospel reading, Jesus describes the path of discipleship. Following Jesus means hating our families, giving up all our possessions, and taking up the cross. To my ears, this sounds terrifying. This isn't a faith that I recognize. It really makes me want to take a U-turn on the path of discipleship and go back so I can find an easier, softer way. I want to go hunt for some cake. Where is the Christ of compassion? The gentle one who lets the little children come to him. The uplifter of the lowly, the shepherd who makes me lie down in green pastures. Is he here in this piece of the gospel? Perhaps instead of hunting for cake, we are actually hunting for something a little more nourishing. And I do see something there sandwiched in the middle. Jesus tasks his followers, the followers there in the story, but us as well. He tasks us with a process of deep evaluation weighing and measuring the choice to follow Jesus. No one, he says, builds a tower or jumps into battle without taking stock of their resources, planning the project and analyzing the costs and the benefits. 
Jesus says our own approach to the path of discipleship merits the same level of care and consideration. Doing so for myself, I'd call myself a follower of Jesus, yet I don't hate my family. While we're not all Christians, they're pretty much fine with me doing the Jesus thing, and we're all just pretty polite about it. I do have a house full of stuff, and I lack the willingness to give up all my possessions. And I certainly carry burdens, but none of them resemble a heavy wooden cross. I live in a nation where I'm not really that oppressed because I follow Jesus. It makes cocktail parties a little awkward when I'm the Jesus freak amidst lawyers and coders and doctors. And at first blush, following Jesus actually is pretty affordable. Not much to give up and lots to gain. But Moses encourages me to dig deeper. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, he says, by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways, and observing his commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. So it turns out that the path of discipleship involves following rules, walking in God's ways rather than my own. Perhaps it's not a cakewalk. Moses is speaking in this case about a specific set of rules, the halakha or the way that he has just summarized for his people in the book of Deuteronomy. And while Christians do believe that we have been released from these particular rules, he has not rendered us footloose and fancy free to walk our own path as we wish. The new way that Jesus lays out for us and for his disciples is similarly a life of discipline. No, we are not required to abstain from pork or shellfish, but we are to drink wine and eat bread in remembrance of Jesus. We are to give joyfully of our resources, our time and our money and our skill, We are to give these away to the poor and to the needy. We are to celebrate a Sabbath to the Lord that puts our hearts and our souls at rest. We are to pray and worship God without ceasing. In these terms, the path of discipleship starts to look a little more expensive. It does involve discipline, like getting up early on a Sunday to worship God when I'd rather worship my cozy bed. But it also looks more and more enticing. I am hungry for godly rest. I am hungry for the joy that comes with sharing, for the serenity that comes with regular prayer. I am hungry for the communion with Jesus that comes when we break bread and we drink wine. Faith is not a cakewalk. It is not an easy choice between cake and death, life and prosperity, or death and devastation. Faith is something altogether different. It is a call to engage in spiritual disciplines that may restrict us at first, but soon reveal themselves to be beautiful and life-giving. 
And this is the Savior that we follow. This is the path of discipleship. This is the way that we choose life. Amen.